Welcome to Hope in the Heartland, a podcast from Zeal Coaching, where we talk to you, our neighbors, about ways to take your life from ordinary to extraordinary. We'll also take some time along the way to celebrate people who are living those dream lives right here in the Midwest. So join us as we help you ignite your life with passion, purpose, love, and success to ignite your life with Zeal. Hey, welcome. This is Christy Shell, and this is Hope in the Heartland, our podcast for Zeal Coaching, where we talk to people right in our own backyards who are making incredible lives and careers for themselves right here in the Midwest. So I'm excited today because we are with my real good friend, Jess Webker, and I am excited to share her story and to hear a little bit about what she does she actually was a client. We'll say hello, Jess. Hello. <laughs> hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, good. I am excited that you're here because you are so special to me. You're one of my first adult clients when we had our new office in Minster, Ohio, in that little Minster long ago. And um, it was super fun to kind of work with you that many years ago. But yes. there's lots of things that happened since then. Give us an update about where you were when we coached and maybe what's going on a little bit right now. Sure. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Um, and yes, that's been a hot minute. It was probably <laughs> about six or seven years at ago. At least, at least. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. So that little tiny office. And Correct. Now we're doing podcasts and weird things. Yeah. So, so um, this is great. I love that you've got this podcast. That's, that's just a really fun thing. But um, yeah, I've been a nurse for quite a few years and I originally came to you back in the day because I was having some, just having a little trouble trying to find where I wanted to go. As you know, in nursing, we can wear so many hats. And I was just really trying to find a place that spoke to me and figure out, you know, where I would best serve the world. So that's how I ended up in your care so many years ago, which led me down some really interesting paths. I ended up joining the squad for uh, five plus years, which was a wonderful experience. So an EMT type of, it was EMT kind of work, right? Where you were correct. And in, in the little town it was it's a volunteer role right even though you were already nursing you wanted as I remember some kind of more excitement or connection to the community or whatever and you kind of decided to take that route and you know and where did that lead you because I don't I'm not sure I don't know yes well that's all correct um, I was really just looking for a way to kind of make a difference and give back and that was something that had always piqued my interest. So you are correct that in Minster, it is a volunteer position. And so they were looking for volunteers. And I just decided to jump and do it after working with you. And so I gained my EMT certification in the state of Ohio. And I ran with them for over five years. And it was a really incredible experience, quite honestly, it, like you just learn so much. And um, the feeling of giving back is like no other. Well, it's interesting because what kind of nursing were you doing back then? Because I think that was even interesting. And I'm not sure if that's similar to what you're doing now or whatever, because I think it's a career that people would not know about. So can, can right. you share? Sure. So at that time, I was working as a patient counselor or a staff nurse at the local pharmacy. Yeah. And so my job was to work with other women and men who were needing um, sort of kind of that 
what I want to call the non-traditional approach to um, feeling better. Right. And so specifically, I worked in the hormone division and we did compounding of hormones there. And so my job was to basically work with that patient, help them to get tested and talk to them about what was going on. And then basically being a late liaison between them and their doctor and helping them to get on the proper therapy so that they could feel better. So that was something I was doing at the time. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't think a lot of people think, oh, a nurse can work for a pharmacist or kind of be that liaison and, you know, really needing to know the hormone and the replacement pieces or, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that idea of compounding where the pharmacist is actually making a specific um medication or treatment specifically for you, which is just really a unique thing because you think of a pharmacist either like at the local CVS kind of thing, or you think about them as being inside of a hospital research, but not so personally connected to what people need. I think that sheds light on a couple different careers or different nuances to them that can be happening. So for wow. sure. Yeah, for sure. And it was it was a really great experience. It allowed me to gain a whole area of knowledge that I didn't necessarily receive in nursing school. Um, but it really helped you to connect one on one with your patients. And um, it just honestly was a great job. It was it was wonderful work. I think of you and it's going to come threading into the story of, you know, kind of where you've been. But that continuous idea of like really want to intimately be helping people and more than just kind of the clinical part of nursing. And I think that's lent so much to where you've come as we'll, we'll hear more of that story. But I think that thread of that seems to always have been a part of who you are and, and wanting kind of the edgy or a little bit more adventure part and the connection with people. So it's interesting. It's great. Yeah, for sure. I would say that's a that's an accurate statement because I can tell you for sure that when I came out of nursing school, I always believed that I would end up at the bedside in the hospital. And I did try that for a short time out of nursing school. And I it just really was not for me. I mean, yeah. it just, I tried to make it work and it just didn't. And so I knew down in my gut that um, my gift was going to be best expressed in other ways. And so I had to kind of think outside the box. And really, that was one of the reasons why I ended up coming to you because um, you were probably one of the first people in my life that said it's okay to think outside that box and to consider something that's not like what everyone else is doing. I'm honored to be that person for you, of course. Like, that's a huge ego boost for me. But but really, like, I think that especially in small towns where your family is all wrapped around you and people, you know, you have that tried and true, like, I'm, I'm just going to use the idea of, like, farmer or strong family value kind of mentality. And although everyone's like in your corner, they're they're also really kind of nervous for you. They want to like help you find the job that fits you in the way that is safe, right? Or that they understand. And so sometimes you do need that outside voice, whether it's me or somebody else. Maybe it's a spouse or friends or whatever to be like, no, go for it. You know what I mean? Or figure it out, you know. And and if you don't have those people in your life to kind of help you think creatively or even give yourself give you permission to give yourself permission, right, to for do sure. those things, that is really a challenge for a lot of people. So it's interesting. So we're talking about career fit or in the last couple or making bad decisions because we're making them to please other people or making decisions out of fear instead of really following your own intuition and your own personal wisdom 
and you're such a great example of that. You there was the searching, and it. I love that it's been a really a journey for you. I mean, I wish it was overnight. Wouldn't that be great? But it it was really a journey for you, and you had to go through some real things to get there. So, what kind of nursing were you doing, kind of up to that changing that change point? What kind of I don't know. What kind of nursing did you? get into or stay in or whatever? I'm not sure. Sure. No, that's a great question because um, I actually had ended up leaving the the area of the pharmacy nursing and had gone into school nursing, which, oh. yes, which was something that, I mean, if you ask most nurses, they'll be like, school nursing, that's awesome. It is very highly coveted position because it has great hours and, you know, oh. and all of that. And you get to work with kids, which is pretty amazing. And it is a wonderful job. Um, but for sure, through these changes of, of these different areas of nursing, I kept searching for what I felt was what I was being called to do. And every time I thought I had it figured out, I didn't. Mm. And I always knew that because I would get in and I would be doing all the things and I would just have this feeling of like, I meant to do something more. I meant to do something more, but I couldn't see it. I couldn't figure out what that was or what it looked like. And I just, I remember very distinctly saying to my husband one day, I feel like a sports car stuck in first gear. Oh, nice. Like I just, you know, like I just, I have all this inside of me and I don't, there's nowhere for me to put that energy. Right. And I know there's got to be something more. Right. And then, you know, life is funny because it brings you those opportunities through experience. Like if you can't, if you're not brave enough to step out and try it on your own, it's going to bring you the opportunity whether <laughs> right. you're ready or not. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, we talk clearly like in our book and in coaching about you're kind of co-creating, right? You're trying to get there, but you know, God, universe, whoever you believe in, like, is coming alongside of you and handing you these challenges or these opportunities that give you more skill or more insight or whatever. And if we dodge those or we ignore those or that yearning to know and we kind of suppress it, then we're stuck, right? And we're not, we're no longer co-creating, we're just creating. And it, it, it loses that magical, beautiful piece that could it could really be. And so tell us a little bit about what that transition was for you, because I know it's significant. Yes, it, and you are absolutely right. It, it it will find its way to you even if you try to ignore it. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so for me, it happened in the form of a breast cancer scare. Mm-hmm. Um, so about three years ago, roughly three years ago, I had found a lump. And keep in mind that I was not even 40 years old yet. So Young, young, young and healthy, right? right? right. Yes, yes. I, I had found a lump and um, it, it took a while, but basically I got in, went through some testing. They, they did... Uh, a biopsy. And I was originally told that it was all benign and everything was okay. It was something called a fibroadenoma, which is a benign growth. And, and, um, you know, young women often experience this. And so they were going to keep an eye on it. Well, within about six months, that small lump that I had found that was originally about the size of a, a pea or a small grape had gone into about the size of a lime. Um, it was pretty significant. Wow. So, yeah. That's, I mean, personally, that's really scary. It was very scary. And, but I was trusting. Yes. You know, and even though I was a nurse and all of this was going on, that was not my area of specialty. And so I was trusting 
the healthcare providers around me that this was all okay. But in my gut, deep down, I felt like it wasn't okay. And so I went back to the doctor and said, this is what's going on. And they said, oh, yes, we probably should have that removed. And um, wanted to send me to a general surgeon at that time. And, and uh, I agreed, but in, in my gut, I still wasn't settled with that. And so on a whim, uh, I had talked to my family doctor, which I know sounds silly. I probably should have talked to him from the beginning, but I was working with my OBGYN at the sure, time. Sure. And my family doctor just, as I was telling him the story, his, his eyes were like the size of saucers. Mm. And he said, I need to see those test results. And so he was the first person who pulled up those pathology reports from six months prior. And he said, this is not entirely benign. And this should have never been left to go. Wow. Wow. So he referred me on to the Stephanie Spielman Center in Columbus. And I had my first appointment approximately two weeks after that conversation. And within seven days of that first appointment, I was in surgery. Um and they did remove it. And um, when they tested it the second time there at the Spielman Center, um, it was something called lobular carcinoma in situ. And what that basically means is that it's abnormal cell growth, but it's contained within the lobes of the breast tissue. Okay. So, so the good news spreading or correct. It, yeah, right. Okay. Correct. The good news was it had not spread. And so therefore it was not considered what we often think of as true breast cancer or it's not invasive breast cancer. Okay. But it was still very abnormal, and so they didn't like that. Um, But the borders were clear. And basically the standards of treatment then from there could vary anywhere from um, you could do something as simple as just getting checked every six months Mm -hmm. and taking tamoxifen, uh, which is an anti-estrogen drug to help prevent the growth of more tumors. Um, or all the way up to prophylactic bilateral mastectomy. So um, I had to make the choice. And at that time, because I didn't have a family history and there was, it kind of came out of the blue, my husband and I made the joint decision to just do the every six month checks and try the tamoxifen for a while. And um, into, into this day, I go back and see um, the, the surgeon over at the Spielman Center every six months. I'm usually having some kind of testing, whether it's mammogram, ultrasound, I've had breast MRI, um, just to kind of keep yeah. keep track of things. Well, it's, it's funny, and this is, the, I mean, it's such an incredible story of kind of trusting your instinct, going back to the, your, your, your GP, you know, that type of thing. And I think if nothing else, like, there's so many more things to learn from your story, but Please, people, if you can, like the highest quality health care you can, you can get is really critical because sometimes small towns have good doctors, but there are specialists like second opinions, like, you know, asking for, yes. you know, other opinions or other surgeons or specialists or whatever. What are all your options, not just the one that they recommend? You know, like, I really think that there is power in that. And again, it goes back to, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I don't want to insult somebody, you right. know, and kind of going back into that. I'm a, I'm a good girl and I shouldn't be making waves and those kinds of things. And this is your health. And sometimes the waves need to be made and, um, and it can make all the difference in the world. So, For um, sure. <laughs> you know, and having someone else in your world that also understands that and supports that or listens for those opportunities to ask more questions. I just feel like there's this really good message inside of that, that we, um, 
we don't always are our own advocates, right, in in that way. And so it's just really interesting. Yes, for sure. Yes, thank you for bringing that up because, yes, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I wouldn't be a good nurse if I didn't sit here and tell you that you need to get checked. And please, you know, don't be afraid to be your own advocate because if it doesn't feel right to you, in your gut, then it's probably not right. And it's okay to ask for those second opinions. It's okay to ask more questions. We should never, ever be afraid of that because that's what our health industry is here to do is to serve us, not the other way around. So, Well, it's interesting. So I have a, we won't go into my whole story because this is more about just, but I have a long family history of of breast cancer. And so um, I, you know, have had a couple of needing a couple of extra scans and different things at different times. But I decided to have the gene testing because we do have the longer range. And fortunately, I do not have that gene, but it's so important too for my cousins and everyone that's connected to us to kind of know that at the same time and that we can, you know, kind of be aware of that. Because I think it's, it's, there's so many different aspects to that. And obviously that, inherited health is another piece of that. So sure. Absolutely. It's so empowering to be able to know that and to make sure that you're having really open conversations with the others in your life who are potentially in that same line, cousins, daughters, even even the men, men are not excluded from from breast cancer. Uh, It's not very common, but it can happen. And it does often happen in those individuals who have family history. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So um, now for women, that doesn't seem to be as big of a um, of a precursor. Like Mm -hmm. it it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get it. But for sure, in the men who get the breast cancer, they're seeing that connection with other women in the family with breast cancer. Oh, that's so interesting. I didn't know that. So, oh, good. That's good to know. Hmm. So, so Jess, that had to have been a really scary time for you. Tell me more about just kind of knowing that, going through that, and kind of how you came through that a little more. It was scary. Um, I I feel like um, I spent that first year following my surgery um, and the diagnosis with just being in probably the best described as just a dark place. I, I was dealing mm-hmm. with some depression was having a lot of anxiety. Um, right, of course. But right. we we kind of like, oh, is it getting treated? Like, you know, people think very action-oriented and not what it's doing to you psychologically, too, at the same time. Exactly. And that's, that's a really good point because that was something even – you know, even as a nurse, I had never fully embraced that about other patients. Mm. Um, sometimes, you know, we tend to focus on physically what are they going through, you know. And um, But I never really had a, as deep of an understanding about the psychological effects of these kinds of diagnoses on people until I had walked through it myself. Wow. And even though I looked fine on the outside, you know, mm-hmm. following my my diagnosis, I was very, very blessed to not have to have chemotherapy or radiation or right. um, wow. a lot of these treatments that a lot of other women have to have who have true invasive breast cancer. But it was the idea that, you know, I knew that this thing was in my body. Yeah. And it was kind of like feeling like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Wow. Right. Talk about like not feeling psychologically safe or kind of like the yeah. ones like I think when you're young, the one sure thing of that you don't question health necessarily, right? Especially right. if you're active and you're you know you're fit and that kind of thing, and then to get hit by 
kind of your own mortality questions yes. or whatever is really it's hard it, yeah. it honestly the best way i can describe it is that I, I felt like my power was stripped away from me mm. and that was super scary um because i wasn't a smoker I wasn't, you know, I, I don't have a family history. And there was nothing controllable there at all in any of this that that um, made a difference, meaning we don't know where it came from. We don't know why it started. When you look at the list of, you know, quote unquote risk factors, I didn't have them. And so it was just this really scary, random thing. And so you're left with this whole um you know, and, and surgeons are wonderful people. We need them, but surgeons are very blunt sometimes in their approach. <laughs> right. And so, and so, you know, well, this is what you have, and this is what we cut out of you, and but it's likely still there. And we're going to check you every six months, but make sure you call me if you find a new lump in the meantime, and go and try to enjoy life. <laughs> nice. So, well, there's a reason they're surgeons, right? So they can be kind of that right. compartmentalized, right? Right. right. <laughs> but <laughs> and and you know, in being in a in a large center like that, they see the worst of the worst. Yeah. And so. Really, I'm just small fry. You in look their world. mild to them, right? Exactly. Yes, yes. Exactly. But what it doesn't do is it doesn't. There's there wasn't a whole lot of of emotional support. There mm. wasn't a whole lot of guidance. I would ask questions, things like, "Well, how does stress affect this? You know, how does my stress level affect oh, it? How about what I'm eating?" What, even the deodorant I'm using does that make a difference? Right, and right. and quite honestly, at the end of it, the, he. The, the impression I was given was that there really wasn't much of anything that I could do. And I don't believe that to be true today. And I want to sit here and say that because I've done my own research and I do believe that right. some of those things matter, like eating a good, healthy diet, avoiding alcohol, things like that. But at the same time, it just left me feeling like I was an absolute, you know, just left uh, in, in this random luck of the draw. Well, and going back to your term of being powerless. So if you can think about, you know, eating good food, I mean, at least it, it gives you something to do. It gives you some way to like kind of start to take your control back or at least right. feel like, you know, I mean, we want it to be true, but also just that idea of like giving you some steps of some control that you can give yourself or whatever. So right. it's interesting, you know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So I, I feel like that was kind of the turning point for me, though, believe it or not, even in my career, because um, when I was able to kind of, you know, I had to give myself some time to kind of wallow in that dark place and feel sorry for myself. It's a morning. It's morning. It is. Yeah. It is a true, like, stages of grief. Yes. And that's the best way that I can describe it. And and it's a little embarrassing to sit here and say that because, again, I know that people have gone through so much worse. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to ever take away from that. But it, there is a sense of grief in, in dealing with all of that. But but when I finally decided that I couldn't stay there anymore, I had to do something, Yeah. Um, not only from a personal level, but I thought, you know, from a professional standpoint, this is significant because what is this teaching me? Well, first of all, it's teaching me as a nurse that we need to look much deeper than just looking at the physical things that people are going through. We really have to embrace that emotional journey. Right. You know, we are seeing nurses see people every day at their absolute most vulnerable. And I don't think that we are always as appreciative of that as we should be. Yeah. I and think it, sorry to interrupt you, but I think that what's interesting is that I have worked with doctor's offices 
and there's so much time connected to how much how long do we am I seeing a patient? Sure. You know, there's all these time tracking kind of initiatives to making sure that the hospital or the practice stays um, lucrative or profitable or whatever. And so, you know, and that dictates everyone's time and then the charting needs and all those kinds of things. And so, or tracking of all kinds of different things. And so there's a lot of pressure on nurses and (laughs) they lose that connection to the emotional piece, I would think. Right. For sure. Yes. And and you bring up a very, very good point. And like, literally we could do a whole other call on that (laughs) (laughs) on, on the broken healthcare system. But you do bring up a really good point, and that is that, you know, sometimes this, this, what nurses deal with having to pull away from that side of it isn't necessarily their fault. Yeah. Meaning um, it is oftentimes dictated by, um, you know, the circumstances in which they work under. And, right. and for sure, you're right. I mean, there's, you know, insurance runs everything. And so we have to jump through the hoops. And, and, and unfortunately, I think that that is why many nurses and many healthcare providers in general are feeling very burnout um, and feeling just like they're not loving what they're doing anymore because they can't provide the care necessarily that they want to because of those restrictions placed on them. So that's a really good point. So, So where did that kind of understanding or awakening of what you know, kind of the empathy for nurses, where did that lead you? Because it's such a great Yeah. So it led me down this path of just thinking that, you know what, um, first of all, I want to, I want to help nurses to see things a little differently. You know, I feel like I was given this opportunity to experience this for a reason, Mm. right? I, I believe everything happens for a reason. And sometimes when we're in the midst of it, we cannot see it. Right. But I, I try to make a conscious choice of every time I'm faced with something difficult, what is the purpose behind it? Because right. there's something to learn. And for me, I thought, you know, this is a great time to really step out and support other nurses in helping them to find um, the joy back in what they're doing and helping mm-hmm. them to reconnect with um, their their purpose, you know, and whatever right. that looks like for them. Right. Um, most nurses, I mean, 99.99% of nurses are going to say, well, I got into nursing because I want to help people. Right. And then they get burnt out and frustrated and disillusioned because they can't help people the way they think they should. Right. And then they just are grumpy and, you know, (laughs) I mean, not that nurses are grumpy, but just that idea that, that when something you loved and you came into so wholeheartedly and then there's all these challenges and the long-term struggle is something, how do you stay connected to who you are and why you came into it? it I mean, I think it's true for every career, every kind of heart kind of career um, where you have to stay connected to your why and how do you keep that light burning inside of you on long, long days and months and weeks or whatever? And so it's interesting. So, yeah. For sure. You're absolutely right. I mean, we are seeing a record number of nurses leaving the profession. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would ask probably any healthcare system, they would tell you that their nurse turnover rate is the highest it's probably ever been. That's interesting because yeah. a lot of nurses are needed, but that is also not lending to... Um, like there's no stability. There's there's always then a kind of been a, a flux, which I didn't realize. So that's sure. interesting. Yeah. Sure. 
So I, I do feel that, but, you know, it's it's my personal belief, yes. you know, um, and I'm not basing this on any kind of statistics or anything, but your it's my own wisdom, it is, your own it knowledge. Is, it's my own personal <laughs> belief that this is happening because, mm. um, because we as nurses are not fulfilling necessarily the the purpose that we mm. have been given. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to just kind of bring faith into this a little bit Please, yeah. for me That's because cool. this has been such a big part of my journey. But, um, you know, I believe it we're all been divinely given a purpose yes. on this earth. Amen. And, <laughs> and, um, and I think that, that for, for individuals who step into nursing, they're on their way, mm-hmm. but I don't know that becoming a nurse is the end goal. I, I believe that there's more purpose there than what we can sometimes see. And when we're not in stepping into that purpose fully is when we're feeling those feelings of discontentment and the, the feeling of burnout and things like that. So for me, that became kind of a personal mission of what can I do? What can I do to help Mm -hmm. uh, these other women? I want to encourage other nurses to search that out for themselves, find whatever passion that is for them and go for it, you know, And, and it doesn't mean you have to make a career of it. But maybe it's just something as simple as doing something on the side or Mm -hmm. uh, volunteering your time or something like that. Mm -hmm. So what I ended up doing through a lot of prayer and honestly divine intervention, I feel like, was (laughs) I created this organization called Nurses of Grace. And here in Ohio, with the idea of um, having a place or a sense of community for nurses who were maybe struggling to find their purpose, Uh, a place to just share my faith, to share uh, the encouragement from a faith standpoint and saying, you know, um, if you you are a believer and if if that speaks to you and you feel like there's something more, let's talk. Because I really feel like I can share my journey and maybe that will inspire somebody else to discover their own. So for like you, you've taken on the effort of empathy, but also kind of with that breast care, breast cancer focus. Mm-hmm. So um, I think you had given me an example earlier, like maybe a nurse is interested in mental health. So maybe she's going to do some mental health education or something like that. But whatever is calling to her to kind of enrich what she's currently doing in her current profession it doesn't, like you said, it doesn't always have to be how we, what we're doing as much as how we do it, right? And, exactly. Right. Exactly. So for me, because of my own experience with breast cancer, that was something that obviously speaks to me heavily. And so I do a lot of advocating and educating for that kind of thing. But it's not necessarily a part of my day-to-day job. It's mm-hmm. something I do on the side because I'm passionate about it and I think it's important. But yes, every Every individual has something that has affected them personally in their life or maybe a loved one that they feel very strongly about. And so there, I believe in that is where the passion comes from, um, is making that connection and then figuring out what they can do with that, you know, maybe on a day to day. Again, maybe it is something they can incorporate in their actual job, depending on what they're doing. But maybe it's something they can be doing on the side. Maybe it's something they could they could start a you know, an organization, or they could volunteer their time at a shelter, or they could, you know, whatever that looks like for them. I think the idea is I just want to help open up their minds to what it is that, you know, maybe speaking to them and helping them to find that passion and know that you can serve people in a greater way. But 
that being said, in our day-to-day jobs, we are given a very unique opportunity to touch people every single day. And so even if it's not in something that necessarily you're passionate about, you're still there to serve, right? Right. I believe all nurses have a servant's heart in Mm -hmm. one way or the other. And so really just reframing, like rather than dreading going into work because maybe there's drama Mm -hmm. or maybe we're understaffed or maybe, you know, all these things that can go on that makes the job hard, right? you know, really focus on, you know, and say that prayer every morning, you know, God enable me to be able to touch somebody today. Right. Help me to do your work with these people today. And it just reframes the whole, just the whole attitude and the whole purpose. And I think that when we focus on that instead of the hard things, it, it changes the whole game. Right. It's, it's interesting for me, kind of two things. One is to that idea of prayer. So Although I don't go to a specific church, you know, kind of more spiritual or kind of worldly faith, you know, my I probably pray and meditate more than most people. <laughs> and um, but even in my coaching sessions, my prayer just before cl- new clients come in is, "Please work through me," yes. right? And just to kind of bring call spirit to you and call, you know, God, your faith, you know, if it's Jesus Christ or whatever, like call that into your being so that it's a part of the work that you're doing, no matter what you do. Right. I think it's so, so critical. The other thing I would say is years ago, I worked with um, Cincinnati Children's Hospital and we were doing a leadership development retreat. It was a corp, it was an internal thing that I was kind of supporting. And one of the amazing things is in that in that retreat process, people taught they each of the professionals talked about why they got into the work that they did, and so like we had the number two card pediatric cardiologist in the group with us, and um, and but everyone's story somehow was connected to their own childhood illness mm-hmm. or a family member's childhood illness. And that connection of letting that purpose work through them mm-hmm. was why these people were top professionals in their yes. in their in their businesses or in their field. And so what was amazing is that you could feel the heart of that. Now, do you have to go through some tragedy to find that? Hopefully not, right? But that you bring your heart to it every day is such a critical thing. And it really does enrich you. And we talk about this often, like whether you're on the assembly line or whether you're, you know, you are serving people at the food kitchen or whatever, bringing that heart to it, bringing who you are, whether it's the quiet conversation on the side or it's the, you know, jazzing everybody up at the football game, whatever your job is, is like to bring, truly bring your heart to that. And I would also add this, as you do that and as you dedicate yourself to that, there's also that need for self-care. I think that's a critical piece for nurses specifically because they give and give and give. And so it's like, how do you balance that need to help? So maybe you can't start your own new organization or something, or you don't know that that's what you want to do, but how do you self-care and then just bring it to the work that you're that you're in on a daily basis? I think it's really interesting. So yes, yeah. I agree with all of that. I think yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with all of that. I think that um, yes, you you know, from a nursing standpoint, you can be a good nurse or you can be an exceptional nurse, mm-hmm. and the choice is up to you. And it's all about how you approach it 
Nice. You know, yeah. no matter what situation you're in, yeah. you know, um, the job is not always going to be glorious. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be hard. Yeah. It's going to be hard a lot. Yeah. And we need to prepare for that. But we also need to know that we've been given this wonderful gift mm. to share with other people. And we can choose how we do that yeah. and how we show up each day. It's amazing. My When my daughter was young, she got very ill and we would... Um, we had to go for six months to get large penicillin shots in her hiney every month. And so when she knew we were going to the doctor, it was not a fun trip getting there. But this amazing pediatric nurse was amazing. We'd pull in and she would be outside with stickers and lollipops and like greeting <laughs> us and like pulling Aww. us in. And like, you know, it was all about Monica. Monica was the only one in the room and she just made Monica feel so special. And, you know, she, she, have all this drawing on the paper on the on the bed like she would have drawn all these pictures for her on the bed and I mean just amazing exceptional right and that is such a great example of how you can bring yourself to it you know Monica will always remember her show as like Halloween showing up she was in a full Scooby-Doo costume and she greeted her at the, <laughs> at the car window Aww. and like amazing you know and yes. so you can be that kind of person mm-hmm. or you can be the you know the grumpy one you know what I mean you know it's so interesting who you who do you bring with yeah. you right and that's so. a perfect example of somebody who showed up at work that day and focused on someone other than herself. She was more focused on your daughter and yes. her experience yeah. than she was about probably the stuff that was going on behind the scenes that wasn't easy. And I will be eternally grateful for that. <laughs> so so it's amazing. So tell me about, because you just had some phenomenal things happen for your new organization. Yes. Tell me what's happened. Yes. So back, okay, so of course October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And if you don't know that, you're not on social media because <laughs> pink is everywhere. Come from October. Under your rock, people. <laughs> but um, but yes. So um, so because of me and because because breast cancer is such something that I am so passionate about. Um, you know, I really wanted to. I've really worked hard over the last couple of years in trying to educate and promote and things like that. But um, something that had been on my heart for a long time was that, you know, there's all these walks that they do during the month of October. Pink Ribbon Girls does a walk. American Cancer Society does a walk. I mean, you look around and you'll find them. And it had been on my heart for a long time. I thought, you know what I want to do? I want to form a team and I want to do a breast cancer walk. And so the opportunity came up. I saw one that was um, coming up. The American Cancer Society was going to be doing one in Dayton down at Fifth Third Field um, October the 19th of this year. And it's making strides against breast cancer cancer. And I thought to myself, excuse me, American Cancer Society had a breast cancer walk calling, making strides against breast cancer that was coming up on October the 19th of this year down at Fifth Third Field in Dayton. And I thought to myself, this is it. This is the one that I want to do. So I formed a team, which is real easy to do. You go online and you just sign up, you know. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and, I right. Thought, and I thought, well, you, who you am I going to Google. <laughs> and I, I thought, you know what I would really love to do is because I had already created the Nurses of Grace. I'm like, I'm going to name my team that. And by golly, I'm going to ask a bunch of nurses to come and walk with me. I think that would just be a really neat thing to do. Lovely. So I had set that up. And then, again, I'm going to go back to the power of social media. <laughs> yes. Um, one day I was scrolling through Instagram. And this was back in the summer. Yeah. And uh, uh, and I had seen where Cherokee uniforms okay. had had was asking uh, if there were any nurses that were going to be doing a breast cancer walk. 
So they do. They make scrubs and they, different things. Yes, like that. they do. Right. So yeah. for for anybody who doesn't know who Cherokee uniforms yeah. are, they are like one of the leading, if not the leading, uh, producer of medical apparel or scrubs in the U.S. And they're kind of like the Nike of the medical world. <laughs> so, <laughs> right, so if yeah. Nike produces athletic apparel, Cherokee is your big name in your medical apparel or okay, scrubs. Okay. So So um, you're big time now. Yeah, yeah, right? Okay. <laughs> so so Cherokee and and to be super honest with you, and I'm not just saying this, I was a, I wore Cherokee scrubs for years. I yeah. love them. They're my favorite. But anyway. Um, <laughs> no promo going on no, here. No, no, no. <laughs> so I, uh, no, true story. Uh, but anyway, so I followed them on social media because um, because I just like to see the, what they had coming up new and things like that. And so they put this post out and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And anyway, it just kind of crossed my mind. I'm like, well, maybe I could get some free t-shirts for my team. Right, so right. I went ahead and messaged them and said, hey, hey, I'm a nurse you know, and I'm, I'm forming a team and, and, uh, they reached out to me and they said, can we talk to you? We would love to talk to you about this. And I said, sure. And so I actually ended up having a phone conversation with the executive director of marketing for Cherokee from California. Nice. Um, yeah. And in, in our conversation, she asked me things like, why are you, you know, why have you formed a team? And I told her a little bit about my story and, you know, again, just the power of putting things out there, right? She, they loved it. They loved my story. They wanted to sponsor my team. Um, and so they did. So they sponsored my entire team. We had 11 nurses walking oh, that nice. day. Yeah. They outfitted us from head to toe. These they, these girls are in pink. They're they, all over yes. us. <laughs> yes. We had jackets embroidered with our names on. We had tennis shoes. I mean, it was really nice. phenomenal. Nice. So not only though, what was really great about that was not only then did they did they outfit us, but they also then interviewed me for an article for their Scrubs magazine, and um, and that was really wonderful because I felt like that was just the culmination of all of the hard work in terms of they really were going to put the message out there, right? right? right. You know, and on what greater scale, right? Right? Could we get? the message out there. Like I just, it was such a huge opportunity. We'll put the link on, on the podcast connection. So yeah, it's a great article in really about the breast cancer, but also about that empathy for nurses and empathy of nurses. Right. Yeah. So, so in beautiful pictures, right. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and what did, how did it impact the nurses? I'm curious just kind of what their reaction to all that was. Well, I will say I, I haven't really had a whole lot of opportunity to talk one-on-one with them too much, but I feel like that day was just a beautiful day because when they came down there and they saw the thousands and thousands of people that were there to support and walk, they were in such awe. Nice. And it was a feel-good moment for everybody. Like, it was truly a feel-good moment. And in my heart, I was thinking to myself, I really hope that they see from a different perspective, because these women are the women. I mean, they're working the doctor's office. Many of them were from an OBGYN office. Oh, nice. um, many, uh, some of them work home health hospice. Um, so these these women were directly working with people who, in somehow or some way, were directed, you know, directly impacted by breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And I thought. What a beautiful opportunity for them to be able to see it from the other side, mm. from the caregiver perspective, from the the person who maybe has a loved one going through that. You know, that's right. not something we often get to see on the nursing side. Right, right. So I feel like 
I do feel like it really impacted them in a really positive way. Beautiful. Um, and I will say I wanted to give a shout out because one of my very good friends who walked with me that day, who is a nurse, is actually an almost four-year cancer survivor. And so she wow, walked fantastic. with us that day. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, I've walked in a couple of different walks for different various reasons. And I think the camaraderie of that experience is much more elevating than anything, right? Like For people sure. are sharing the same story. They're walking with a purpose. They're, you know, they're, it's lively and upbeat, but also, you know, especially if you're working, if you're walking for someone who has lost their life or something like that. I mean, it's, it's a significant moment. And I think you're to be with all of those people who have a common purpose is just, it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing, right? It is. It's a wonderful feeling. And they were able to see, you know, like I said, instead of being on the nursing side and just seeing the, the yucky parts of it, you know, yeah. the, the having to, d- to deliver those test results or having to make that referral or, um, you know, instead of seeing all of that, they were able to see the beauty and the support of all those people who right. were there for the same purpose. Right. And it didn't, and I said that was probably the number one thing that struck me about that mm-hmm. whole walk was it didn't matter your age. It didn't matter your color. It didn't matter your gender. I mean, there were people from all aspects of life there mm. coming together yeah. in a huge sea of pink. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, it was just a beautiful day. That's wonderful. I, th- I think the one thing I want to point out is like when you're on your mission or you're working on purpose, you start getting these winks from God, like the little confirmations from God that you're in the right vein or you're going down the right path. And so I think this Cherokee thing is a perfect example of that is when things start like just clicking and coming together. And because you're so aligned with who you are now and what you what you want to do and where you how you want to impact the world and you're doing it in a very genuine and authentic way, those things start to happen. And when people people um it's really hard to understand if you've not been there but i think when you see it you know what it is and so um i think that's one of the critical things for people that i when i'm coaching them i'm kind of like the trust that the things will start happening you just follow your gut right you follow that piece and and those things really start happening and so um, it, it's it's like little confirmations. God's like, good job, keep going. <laughs> you know that type yes, of thing. Yes, yeah. I agree completely. That, um, <laughs> and obviously, I mean that's a pretty big thing. Like I've just been sort of in awe about yeah. this whole opportunity. So amazing. But I I do feel because yes, I mean let's look at the let's look at the reality of the situation. What are the chances that a national company and a big company like this is going to is going to want to sponsor right. some 42-year-old mom of three. <laughs> She's un- gorgeous. She's uh, uh, magazine-worthy, though. Pretty here. well unknown woman, nurse from Ohio, in this walk. Yeah. I mean, of all of the millions of opportunities that they could have had, yeah. how did that even come about? And so you are absolutely right. I feel like it was absolute divine intervention. Right. And it was, it was a wonderful opportunity. And... Um, I just feel like it was absolutely a sign that you're doing good. Keep going. Nice. Um, 
And so I, I do, I, I'm constantly looking for ways to continue the work, right. you know, to do, I'm, I'm actually putting together this coming Saturday. As a matter of fact, I'm hosting a holiday nurse event, which um, I'm kind of putting together with my own with my own money. Um, and it's just uh, basically what I'm trying to do is just draw nurses in to give back to them and say, thank you. Let's kick off the holidays together. Um, I have a massage therapist that's going to be doing chair massages. I've oh, got somebody nice. who's going to be doing nails. Um, I have some businesses in the community that are, have donated, like, coupons or samples or making little gift bags for each of them. Cherokee actually sent me um, some gifts to give each of the nurses there. So um, it's free. You know, they just they were just going to come in, and I just, you know, want to give back to them right, because right. these are the people on the front lines they need. You know, I want to inspire them. I want to support them, you know, and wow. let them know that to keep going. Nice. Yeah. Well, just tell me how people can get a hold of you or connect with you if they want to follow you or or be a part of this journey with you. So I have a Facebook group called Nurses of Grace. They can do a search for it. It is a closed group because I do try to make sure that only nurses are a part of right, that. Right. Not no, to exclude anybody. No nurse but... stalking going on. <laughs> right, <or> right. <laughs> right. But, um, but all they have to do is just answer a couple of questions, or I think there might be one question. Yeah. And then um, I will review it. And, and then on Instagram, it's a public group. It's Nurses of Grace. And so if they just look that up. Or they can follow me on Instagram, uh, my personal accounts, JJ Web RN. So nice. JJ W E B R N. <laughs> nice. They can find me there. So, um, and I do, I try to, like I said, just offer inspiration. That's right. really just kind of the goal. Um, you know, just sharing with them some of the things that have helped me on my journey. And I just want to share that with other people. And, um, you know, I understand it's not always easy, but I also believe that um, we have it within ourselves to do great things. We've been given that gift and let me help you find it because it's there. She may have to work for us now. <laughs> no, great. You know, just um, I think one of the things for people to really understand is this is kind of hard work for you. Mm-hmm. And at this point, it's not even a nonprofit, right? Or is have you established yourself as a nonprofit organization or is just a I wasn't sure. I have not. It's been on my heart to do. I, yeah. I likely will head down that that path of establishing yeah. as a nonprofit, um, but I'm not there yet. Right, right. Um, so following her doesn't mean that you're, you know, it, I guess it's not a business for her. I guess so no. I just want to point that out and that this is really hard work, heart work, not hard work. It's hard work, I'm sure, too, but fun, <laughs> right? But, um, but heart work. And sometimes you don't have to f- super formalize that, but if, if you do, then more power to you than you have other opportunities when you do that. But I think it's um, I think it's great that you're allowing yourself to have this impact in the world right where you are, right with the people that matter the most to you on a for a cause that really matters to you too. So yes, I yes. want to thank you from all of us out here that get to get to be a part of that. So thanks so much. Thank you for having me. This has been great. I so appreciate you allowing me coming on and talking a little bit about my experience. And I hope that there's some nurses out there that hear this and say, Hey, I want to know more about this. And so come and follow me. But you're right. It's just, it's just heart work at this point. There's, there's no business behind it. And it's very much a work in progress, but (laughs) I just want to touch somebody else, you know, and say, you're doing the right thing. You're on the right path. Keep going. I love that you weren't afraid to make it bigger. So I love that you're not afraid to keep opening that up to what it might become and letting that kind of lead you. So thank you. so much success to you and blessings. And, thank you. Um, and 
it's a, this is going to be a great podcast for just before Thanksgiving. So thanks for, for all that you're doing and every all the nurses do for all of us. So we're going to wrap it up there. So thanks again. And um, this is Christy Shell with Hope in the Heartland. Please keep hope in your heart. 